Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, including five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and safe travels, my Beloved, she set off for the airport this morning in the midst of a humongous snowstorm. And then last, I heard from her they had been sitting on the runway for over three hours. Yeah, I saw. I saw on uh, Facebook she they ended up canceling her fight, flight for the time being after five hours of being on the plane. <laughs> oh, like, my oh my gosh! Oh, 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 oh. Well, I always like to think about how long it took Benjamin Franklin to go from Philadelphia to Montreal, which was six weeks. It's a drive one could make in a day. It'd be a long drive, but you could do it. So, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so when when I'm feeling annoyed at modern travel, I think, ah, ha, yes. And he he didn't have to sleep on the ground because he was too old. They let him sleep in the canoe. Mm. So one of the things that, <laughs> one of the things that's happening this year, 2019, is that I am celebrating 35 years of training shamanic herbal apprentices. And I'm doing photo essays about the past apprentices, having a lot of fun with it. And so I'm getting letters. What marvelous letters. I am reaching out, Susan, with love and great spirals of sustenance for you. I'm honoring the spark of spring and knowing that great goddess Marie is on her initiation to become our ancestor. I'm honored by your celebrating of all of our all of us apprentices and my heart thumped lovingly to see the photo of my group. I'm still in Santa Fe. Six months have turned into twenty years. I practice and teach integrative palliative care for adults and children using acupuncture massage, food ritual, and all the knowledge you shared and planted seeds of in our po time when I apprenticed with you at the Wise Woman Center. I draw on the wise woman tradition and all you taught me every day and I'm sure many nights in the dream world as well. Forever grateful and always loving you, Emily. Hmm. What a nice letter. And it's got Very um, nice. a card with a, a drawing of a bobcat, a very contented looking bobcat wearing a necklace and a headdress uh, made of mullein leaves. Mhm. Oh wow. Very, very nice. Beautiful. <clears throat> I have a, a about how you work with us in the dream world because <laughs> uh, yeah, you've come into my dream quite a few times. And is that something like you do intentionally with each person, or is it? I mean, can you feel when you like are tapping into somebody's subconscious like that, or <laughs> is it just when I when I agreed to be available to do dream work, I ask. To have um, have it be below the level of my consciousness. Mm. So I ask for the the draught of forgetfulness, please. Okay. So, so if I wanted to, yes, I could tap into that and remember, but I don't want to, so I don't. Okay. Yeah, because you've been there for me in like these pivotal moments, and I don't know, like I feel like you're just like you've guided me along in these ways, and. I don't know. It's always really interesting. I often wondered if you were conscious of it. So, yeah. Well, conscious, yes, because I've agreed to do it, but of the details, right. no. In the same way, you know, yeah. that you're conscious of your sons, but you don't necessarily at every moment know exactly what they're doing. But you you know if something has changed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Just like okay. a, a change in the field, so you know that's happening. Dear Susan, <laughs> Bulk blessings. Gosh, so much is happening in my life. I hope you enjoy these creations as much as I loved making them. And I do. I love it when past apprentices and correspondence course students send me little treats. I am truly enamored of making infused honeys. And she sent me like half a dozen infused honeys. I love making tinctures as well. It's true. And I prepared some oils. But I think the honeys are my favorite. Oh, rose petal honey, a spoonful in yogurt. Ha, ha, ha. 
The OSHA tincture is from Fresh Root. I've never used her before, but I had a profound introduction. I got the flu. The horrible sore throat sinus infection, it knocked me out for days, flu, and worse than it was, I continued to have sinus yuck even after I seemed to get better. So I was bottling this OSHA to send some to you, and I put a drop in some water, and I held it under my tongue. Oh, my God, it's one drop. I felt a huge rush. Wow, wow, my head opened right up. It was seriously amazing. Oh, 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 wow. Oh, my gosh, another profound experience I've had recently is that CBD and slippery elm saved my old kitty's life. She's been with me for 18 years, and she was an adult when I got her, so she's certainly older than that now. A few months ago, she suddenly started throwing up, not eating, wasting away. She couldn't jump up on a chair or my bed, so I mixed some slippery elm, a little CBD oil, and milk. With a high-quality wet cat food, I mashed it all together. At first, she ate maybe a teaspoon, but in a few days, she was eating a tablespoon, and she stopped throwing up. She started being able to eat regularly, then she gained weight, and now she jumps up on the chairs in my bed, and she's getting underfoot. And I still feed her that mixture, and she eats several tablespoons a day. Well, I attempted to gather slippery elm bark and make my own powder. L-O-L. And just in case there's anybody who doesn't know, that means laughing out loud. There is also, what is it, R-O-T-F-L, rolling on the floor laughing. So she is laughing. Mm-hmm. The plant product that I will buy. Yes, it is not easy to powder your own slippery elm bark. I am in awe of the plant beings. I, I, I I can see now that having a relationship with them changes one lie, one's life. Another new thing for me is I've begun to write a bit. I'm keeping a journal. Well, I've always kept a journal, but that's for me. Writing for others, well, well, I guess that happened because I was elected president of our herb association, and one of my responsibilities was to write a letter for each newsletter. Huh, what a challenge. I, I didn't have much education in expressing myself with words. It's always been a struggle. However, I have a new friend. Her name is Thesaurus. <laughs> I've never allowed my lack of education or fear to keep me from doing anything, anything I want to. And I found over the years that the more difficult the challenge, the greater my own growth on all levels. Another thing I'm doing with the Herb Association is developing a children's program. There's been a glaring lack in our area of herbal events that involve children. I'm going to begin simply with activities at conferences and hope to find a few inspired souls to help me develop a program that can be taken into schools, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, and other venues that haven't come up to my consciousness yet. Thank you again, Susan, for the effort that you put forth for all of us who want to learn about and share the blessings with the plants. I know you know that I will be another one of those perpetual students of yours. Green blessings, Barbara. I so love it when you all use this information. It's so satisfying and and juicy and just delicious to me. Now, let's reel the clock back, back, back to 2018, back, back to the Jamaica that did not happen, back to Mm -hmm. a, a whole adventure that was and wasn't and the cancellation of my and Rebecca's doing something that had been publicly advertised that we would do, and the people 
who showed up for that had not been told beforehand. I mentioned at the time that one of those was a past apprentice and that she called me and that she was very upset about what was going on. This is her letter. I want to thank you for helping me deal with those idiots in Jamaica. I was going to scream at them. But when I called you and you told me to speak quietly, that's what I did. I spoke quietly and evenly and told them I would call the police if they didn't make it right for me. Well, that certainly got me to the negotiating table. I I remember during my apprenticeship that you talked about women not selling themselves short at the negotiating table. So I decided I wasn't going to negotiate. I told them they would have to pay for my flight, any charges, my accommodation, the full price of the retreat. And I told them I wasn't leaving until they had given me all that money. And it worked. It worked. Being calm and clear worked. Thank you. I, I was vulnerable when I arrived there, and it was extremely helpful and comforting to speak with you on the phone. Just before the retreat, my, my grandmother, who raised me, died. Uh, I'm the matriarch of my family now. It felt good to go to Jamaica and do something strong. I also had good food, and I swam in the sea. I'm still living in the mountains, and I've stayed here long enough to love it. I hated it when I first got here. It was hard for me to stay still in one place. Uh, it, it's more work to stay in one place. I, I've I, I've lived here for three years now, and, and the rewards keep coming. I, I have a home. I've put down roots. I'm holding a monthly moon lodge. I, I, I've started designing things about medicine. I'm working for myself. I'm going to support myself and and maybe my family from home. Well, right now my family is three cats. I'm not really sure if I want any children. Maybe my children will be creative projects. I have lots of time to decide, thanks to all the women before me who've made my choices possible. Well, when I got home from Jamaica, my boyfriend dumped me. He wanted to move to a city, and I told him I was not leaving the wilderness. Poof! No more boyfriend. I'm excited to see what this year is going to bring because I think it's time to get to work. No more stupid distractions. All right. I get to see what I want. Thank you, Susan, for doing that blog talk show. When I listen to it, it feels like coming home. Green blessings. Uh, Thank you for sharing. And that that card also is... um, a very beautiful card with a uh, obviously mullein plant, but it's in all different colors. So the leaves are wow, red interesting. And, and yeah, isn't that interesting? Uh huh. Yeah. Hmm. Such a powerful plant. Um, yeah, I have something to share. Just about uh, something that came through for me about that Jamaica trip was um, that. I think the mushroom really likes to work one-on-one too and going into a group of people like that with so many people like having these profound, you know, trips. Like I think there were going to be 18 women there journeying and, um, and then us. So that's 20 and plus the the other facilitators there. And it's just like a lot of energy to be going on. And I just had like a message because I decided to do some work and um, that the the mushroom likes to work one-on-one with people and um, it goes much deeper that way. But that's just what I wanted to share. 
Thank you. It's mm-hmm. always nice when we hold ourselves in a way that we can always be nourished by things that have happened to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it was a learning don't experience. we down around those things and, and make them a tightness, but we stay open. And that openness mm-hmm. allows you, you know, to say, ah, yes, yes, the mushrooms are telling me something here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're yeah. so intelligent. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, they have um, a wisdom beyond anything that, I mean, I've ever experienced. So I think they, Maria. yeah. Bina called them the little people, right? The little people uh, who opened the book of life. The book of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Just amazing. Truly. They have a way of connecting things. That's for sure. Well, Justine has been here. I guess she's still here because I couldn't get her plane off the ground today. And she and I have been working on a video course. That's a video course that needs the book. I keep saying that. And she says, well, they don't have the book yet, but they're going to have the video course. So it's a video course that precedes the book. And it's kind of all the juicy bits out of the book. And we were very excited mm-hmm. to get it done and uh, to have a lot of fun doing it as well. Monica Jean, as usual, um, is part of the activities, tasting things, so that we can get you know the undiluted 11-year-old view of what these herbs actually taste like. And uh, she was also my partner for a few uh, <clears throat> hands-on sessions. We did some um, massage together, and we did some moxibustion, and we did some reflexology together. And mm. um, those are all, of course, um, step four alternative medicine. And then when we got to deep medicine, I was talking about the heroic tradition, poking, puking, and purging, and I asked her if she wanted to do any of those things with me, and she said no. And I said that was a very wise <laughs> answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, of that kind of stuff, we have a teleseminar next Monday that I'm going to be moderating with you and Mary Rose. Um, that'll be at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. For anyone interested, I have post some links on your Facebook page, and I'm sure that'll go out in the newsletter and all that. And that's going to be a special way to connect with uh, Comfort Touch, a special way to connect. Hooray. I love Mary Rose. I'm so excited we're going to get to spend some time together and talk and share with others. She's truly amazing woman. I remember staying with her in Colorado. And um, the window of her, where she was living, looked out onto... um, garage doors, and she was taking a hands-on anatomy course, a hands-on human anatomy course, yes, with some real human anatomy, hands-on, and she was just so amazed and focused at all the structures of the um, female genitalia that she painted them on the garage, larger than life. Wow. Yeah. Magnificent. Very cool. I'm mm-hmm. sad when she said, but that's that's life. One 
one gets to hold it as a memory, and how beautiful that we I would get to have it forever as a memory. Yes. Yeah. And let's see. We get to uh, talk to somebody tonight, too, don't we? Yeah. Yes, we Let's do. See, February twelfth. That's that's now. Chris Steins, a visionary founder of the Women of Wisdom Conference, having its twenty seventh annual conference this weekend. This very weekend. Oh, how kind of Chris to take the time to talk with us. Ay 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 ay. It's a really large conference. Bring so many people together there. The two times that I have been there, I have really enjoyed myself. I was allowed to tell stories, and I got to tell the story of Baba Yaga in an auditorium to a huge group of people. Oh, it was really exquisite. And a man came up to me afterwards, and he said to me, I don't know what happened. You were telling the story of Baba Yaga and Vasilisa. I began to cry. I said, oh. Oh, he said, no, you don't understand. I think it's been 50 years since I've cried. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Just wonderful. And uh, Deborah, mm-hmm. Deborah Chapin, who does touch drawing, was there that night when I was telling stories and was doing touch drawings of the stories while I was telling them in May. It's really juicy. Wonderful. And that's to me, that's a lot how Women of Wisdom is. It's like all of these wonderful overlapping and multimedia and just being there. It's like being in a kaleidoscope. But we'll be talking to Chris this evening at 9 o'clock my time, whatever time it is your time. And let's hope that the snow clears there in Seattle for them because there's a big snowstorm there right now. Oh, somebody told me it's snowing in Hawaii. Oh, really? And I and oh I goodness. said, up on, up on the volcano, maybe. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, okay. We'll see. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> we have some winter weather here. Winter weather all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Going out with do we have questions? Are there yeah. people with questions here tonight? Yeah, we have a lot of people on the line. I just want to remind the callers they need to press 1 to ask you a question, and we will go to the first caller in the 718 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. Um, I had a, like on Sunday night, I was at a family event, and I had some dry wine. I'm not a like a big um, wine drinker. It was like a little bit. And 10 minutes later, my throat started constricting. I don't usually have that reaction to um, an a-, a food allergy, but I don't know, you know, why for some reason the poke root, I felt connected, I should go for that. And I want to just thank Rebecca, I bought the kit from her um, two weeks ago. So I took a few drops and it helped like open up um, the airway and and I um, took it like another two times after that. But I'm not so sure if I'm supposed to continue or, like, I, I don't know exactly how to continue with that. So, um, Okay. Yeah. First of all, what happened is called a histamine response. Okay. So a histamine response saves our lives. 
suppose we get bitten by a poisonous snake. The body senses that, and it causes a histamine response at that area, which causes the cells to accept a certain substance that's available, which causes those cells to hold onto water and swell up. That's localizing the venom from the snake bite, right? So if you get stung by a bee or a wasp, it swells up, and it swells up so that it doesn't circulate to the rest of your body, so it stays put. Hooray for histamine responses. What is scary is if the histamine response spreads from the place where there's the injury and becomes systemic, which would be an allergic reaction, which would be usually swelling of the eyes, mucus running from the eyes of the nose, swelling and itching of the nose, swelling and tingling of the lips and the tongue. When there is a full systems out alert histamine response through every tissue in the body, it is called anaphylactic shock. Okay. And it can kill you. Because basically everything shuts down. One thing that someone in your situation would probably do is not drink wine again. Right. Since you had a reaction to it. Now, that might be an overgeneralization. It might be that particular kind of wine. Mm-hmm. My body is not at all happy with wine, but it has no problem at all with the homemade herbal wines that we make here. Even the nicest organic wine from the happiest vineyard my body is not happy with. But any plant wine that the apprentices put together, I can say not very much an ounce or two, but I can have a little without any repercussions. Now, I'm not sure if what you meant was that you took poke root or that you took osha root. In one of the letters I read at the beginning of the show, one of the women was talking about having flu and a lingering sinus infection, that she put one drop of osha into some water and that it amazingly and immediately opened that up. And that is indeed what OSHA does. OSHA actually blocks the cells from absorbing histamine. I have seen it stop anaphylactic shock in its tracks. And, of course, in a full-blown anaphylactic shock, not only does your throat swell up, but you stop breathing and you start turning blue. And I have seen people who were turning Blue return to pinkness after having some OSHA put under their tongue. Poke is considered an anti-infective. It's very helpful to move lymphatic fluid. And there's certainly nothing wrong with taking it, if indeed you actually did take poke. Um, But OSHA would be probably the one that we we would think of first, and neither one of them is a plant that we would want to take 
in any quantity greater than the amount we needed at that time and for any time longer than the immediate acute problem. Okay. So it's not like taking either poker or OSHA is going to cure you. Mm-hmm. Right. We are talking stimulating, sedating plants and stimulating, sedating plants help us stay alive, but they push us out of our boundary of health. Mm -hmm. One way to be less reactive to things is to keep on or start drinking your nourishing herbal infusions. Have you been drinking nourishing herbal infusions? Have you started that yet? No, I haven't started. Like, I haven't started it fully yet. But that's like definitely something I'm gonna start now. It's a great idea. So at this point, I don't like if my airway like it's not an emergency. I don't need to take the OSHA, but it's something I should just know about. The OSHA and have it on hand exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean it can happen to anybody. I was uh, domiciled in an attic room once, quite a few years ago, and I took off my shirt my T-shirt, by picking up the hem with my hands and turning it inside out as I took it off. I'm sure everyone has done this, right? It's a very easy way to take off your T-shirt. Just Mm -hmm. unzip yourself from it, right? And then in the morning, I put it back on the same way, right? I just put it on my head and I re-zip myself into it well because I was in an attic room and it was spring over the night. A wasp had crawled into my shirt. So when I put my shirt on, it stung me in the armpit. Of course, you know, I cussed and it hurt, but I didn't think anything of it. Just, ow, darn. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Worse than darn. <laughs> it wasn't until about 20 minutes later that I realized I was hearing myself going, <laughs> I thought, my God, girl, you're not breathing. Well. And I realized, oh, yeah, right. You just got a re- really big whack from that wasp, which had just woken up, which means its venom is really powerful. And it was right there near my heart, right? Right in my armpit. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, OSHA, come to me, my OSHA. I took two drops of OSHA. And as the woman said in the letter I read, within seconds, my breathing opened up. Wow. And that's all I took. I didn't take any more. It's never happened again. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. But when I stay in that room, I'm look at my clothes before I put them on, huh? Dream blessings. Good night. Dream blessings. Thank you. All right. The next caller is coming from the 413 area code. Hello? Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for taking my call. Um, So I'm just trying to troubleshoot using herbs to help my little boys when they get sick. And so four days ago, they both had a fever. They're both three. They're twins. And, um, you know, they they were just acting a little bit sick. And I gave them some elderflower tincture. And... They went to bed early, and then they both woke up in the night and threw up. 
And so the next morning, they were still feverish the next morning, so I kept giving them elderflower. And I, they had, had green snot as well, so I started giving them echinacea. Um, every, every couple hours, I was giving them about 16 drops each of echinacea, and then I continued the elderflower every few hours. And then they seemed really great the next day, and then, and then they threw up again last night. <laughs> so I'm just, did I, I just wonder if I should have like kept, even though they seemed good that next day, if I should have just kept giving them some tincture just to get it out of their system, and it because it was able to rebound. Like I'm just, oh, and actually one of one of them has diarrhea today as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, well, let me ask you a question. Is there any benefit to your children being sick? Is there any benefit to your children running a fever? Yes, because there it's is. their own body, right? There's, their own body trying to deal with it. There's quite a lot of benefit to it. The first benefit is that when we're children and we are just being exposed to viruses, we have a pretty strong reaction to them. We run fevers. We can throw up. We can have diarrhea. And this really helps the immune system get a sense of what's in our environment. When we have a fever, the fever mechanism of the body is set so that if there are bacterial or viral infections, the fever goes up because most bacteria and viruses that infect humans don't reproduce well at temperatures over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. So the fever itself is helping to control the disease process. Certainly in a child, if the fever control mechanism is out of whack and the fever goes 102, 103, 104, then we certainly want to bring that fever down. But if we're talking about a fever of 100 to 101, I bet you really reasonable healing fever for the body to have. Yeah, I didn't take their temperature ever. I just watched them, and when they started to seem like it was running them down and they were uncomfortable with it, that's okay. Then you go to bed and you just feel into that. And so at a deeper level, our parents start with the inner war against our own bodies. We come into this world in our bodies. And our parents are there to tell us that we can't just be in our body. We have to control our bowels. We have to control our bladder. We have to control our mouths. We have to get rid of fevers. As parents, we can also offer to our children acceptance of our bodies and saying, I see that this fever is making you uncomfortable. Let's get you comfy in bed and make sure that you have plenty to drink honey in the tea of a three-year-old. It's just perfect. My mom, when we were sick, used to serve us ginger ale. It's like, oh, well, this is the only time we ever got soft drinks. This was when we were sick, and then we got ginger ale. 
And it was just that, that, that sense of, oh, what's happening here is that your body is asking you to be quiet and to not do so much, but to be more interior. And in our culture, which is so directed outwards and directed away from ourselves, the opportunity to run a little fever and be a little sick and be encouraged to just hunker down and be in bed, I think, is a gift that we can share. Again, I'm not saying that we want our child to be sick for weeks and weeks. I'm talking about a day or two. And just let the, let the immune system in the body, let's see what it has to offer, what it can do, what it can come up with. Okay. I think you're doing a great job. And I think like most of us, you're hoping for a little more control than there is. Yes. <laughs> and it will be more of a delight to you as well to have a little more acceptance. Yes. Okay. And say, I t- my child doesn't have meningitis. My child doesn't have a rare disease. My child is a cold. All the time being alert to if it isn't a cold. It's not an easy thing to do, but neither is it beyond the capabilities of most moms. Right. Right. You really get a sense when your kid is like way off. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is a cold. This is a, you know, this is a ginger ale day. Yeah. And I think, too, being new to herbalism, I'm just really excited to, like, try everything. Right, of course. How wonderful. <laughs> the, right, it's the, the story in uh, the beginning of uh, Healing Wise. It says that, that we made up a sickness so that we could have something to heal. Ah. Uh. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I will just let it ride out and... Keep reading them hundreds of stories. Keep reading them hundreds of stories. Be with them and see what really calls out to you. Let yourself surrender a little more into it. And give yourself that ease that you don't have to be in charge. Okay. That doesn't mean you can't do anything. We're, we, we, you know, we want to help ourselves not sway between extremes, between overdoing it and then doing nothing. But again, this loving attention that you're giving to your children is very, very, very beautiful. And they, that alone is having a tremendous um, healing effect on them. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Great blessings. Great blessings. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 707 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. I'm calling on behalf of my 14-year-old son who's in basketball game right now. Um, he has a patch of skin on his neck right where it sort of meets his clavicles, and it's just developed as an irritation. He has kind of irritated skin in general, like a lot of flakes in his scalp and um he actually called you about it a couple of years ago, and it's just not gone away. It's getting worse and worse. But this patch on his neck 
it seems to be fungal. It looks kind of fungal, like really irregular shaped edges. And it just, it's spreading very quickly and it's becoming very uncomfortable for him. And he is getting little patches as well in his arm, like uh, the fold of his arm where his elbow is. And we've tried um, apple cider vinegar um, uh-huh. on it. And I don't know how long that must we would have to be doing that. He, uh, he did it once or twice a day for probably about a week Mm-hmm. And it's really pain, painful for him to put <laughs> yeah, it on there. Very painful, yes. Yeah, and it didn't really make much of a change. We also tried um, a salve that was made by a company that had several different herbs in it, including spikenard. Um, and it seemed to help a little, but not. it didn't do anything to actually, you know, cause it to regress. It just made it look kind of a little little bit better and then we've also tried um just plain coconut oil um and cream with lanolin and nothing seems to be helping (laughs) so So the coconut oil didn't help and the cream with lanolin didn't help no no Mm -hmm. everything kind of makes it just a little bit little bit better a little bit better for a little while yeah, and then it comes back, and it's just really, it's, you know, getting big fast, so. I'd like to do something about it. <laughs> yes. Have you heard of the skin condition called psoriasis? Yeah, so that's interesting, because when he was younger, he played a lot of soccer, and he actually had um, a strange patch on his ankle where he had been accidentally, like, injuring his ankle, kicking it, you know, over and over playing soccer. And he, he had, uh, he had it for a couple of years and, uh, we went to a dermatologist at that point because of a different skin problem on his face and head. And to me, it looked like psoriasis a lot, but, um, the doctor was unwilling to diagnose that because he was so young. And then um, I, I told him he could get vaccinated for chickenpox or he could get the chickenpox, and he chose to get the chickenpox. And that um, patch on his ankle went away after that, which I thought was really interesting because he'd had it for about two and a half, three years. <laughs> but um, it looked very much like psoriasis. This, um, this I, I don't know if it's, I don't know. I haven't seen anything, any pictures that look like like this, that are called psoriasis, but I have heard of it. Yes. That growing fast was one of the things that made me think that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it doesn't respond to much of anything made me think that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in one way, what you're doing is you're doing a diagnosis by what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not the only I one. Mean, it's a valid way to do it, especially with a non-life-threatening situation, right? Yeah. So I don't. You have a non-life-threatening situation. It's really okay to spend a month or two with a remedy and say, "Well, that didn't work. I guess it wasn't that." Mm-hmm. So, ha- have you tried um, a 
cortisone cream from the drugstore, like a 1% cortisone cream? We we haven't. His doctor prescribed, uh, I don't really know what the active ingredient is. It's some kind of uh, steroidal cream, but we mm-hmm. haven't picked up that prescription yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes that's needed to bridge between where the skin is now and where you want it to be. I uh, That's what she said, and I also felt like, that was kind of intuitively the next step I wanted to take. Like, even if it was herbal, like I was thinking like a comfrey poultice or something like instead of trying to attack the pathogen, <laughs> you know, support the skin. Steroids don't attack anything. No, I know. So what and the steroid what would do, uh, like a hydrocortisone cream would do is it would quell the information, inflammation for a little mm-hmm. while. So what happens, especially at the skin surface, is there's inflammation, and the skin reacts by getting inflamed, and then we scratch or itch or put things on it that are irritating, so it gets more irritated, and then we do more of those things. And there gets to be a point at which nothing much besides cortisone is going to stop it. Uh Uh-huh. But once the cortisone stops it, then we can come in with the herbs and reverse it mm-hmm. so that it doesn't keep okay. getting worse and worse and worse. And that's why the cortisone is used. It's used to stop the inflammation, stop the worsening, so that the other remedies have a chance. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> we'll try that then. The over-the-counter 1% creams are pretty benign. We're not mm-hmm. talking about this, you know, every single day for a long term. We're talking about just seeing if we can stop the spread and stop the distress. And mm-hmm. then so, then perhaps work with something like Comfrey. At this point, since your son is 14, it's critically important that he be in charge of what is going on. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I did with Justine, and this was starting from, oh gosh, maybe the age of four or five, when there would be something going on with her that she didn't like. She had a stomachache, she had a headache, um, you know, she had a rash, whatever it was. Um, so this, you know, it wasn't a cute thing. She wasn't bleeding. I'm not talking about, you know, those kinds of things. Um, I would get out at least three books that talked about what she was experiencing, and I would read from those three books what they suggested. Mm-hmm. And then I would ask her which of those things she wanted to do, because I wanted her to grow up with the sense that her health was her responsibility, not mine. Mm-hmm. So this is what you said when we called before, and um, well, you've been doing that. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you are consistent, yeah. Because I had called that time when he was sitting there, but I, I was calling, and you wanted to talk to him. So you talked to him that time. This time he can't come to the phone, and it's it's been interesting because I have just given him, like, okay, you know, whatever you want to do, here's your options, kind of. And um, now he's kind of it's come full circle, and he's like coming back to me, like, mom, nothing's working. I need help. So, and it was my call to take him to the doctor just to to say, well, let's get a professional opinion. And um, well, that's one so, kind of professional opinion. But if you went to an acupuncture, yeah. you might get a different professional opinion. Yeah. 
which so, is an interesting yeah. thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hey, we talk about getting yeah. a second opinion, but we usually don't get a second opinion. We usually get an echo opinion. A second opinion mm-hmm. is somebody in a really different tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. What would the what would the acupuncturist say? What would the chiropractor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not just. I mean, it's just one spot on his neck that's really inflamed, but really his You know, his skin as an organ. Exactly. Isn't really happy. Sure, so. we talked about burdock when last we talked. Um, no, we didn't because it, at that time this fungal burdock looking is great, patch hadn't been. Burdock there. is a great strengthener to the skin. You're certainly right mm-hmm. on the beam with comfrey. Comfrey leaf infusion definitely strengthens the skin. But burdock is considered to be the herb that gets under your skin. So could I? Could he use it topically, or just as a? Wouldn't infusion? do much topically. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. It's okay. a long <laughs> internal acting. I, I keep telling him if he would drink the infusions, the nourishing infusions, that that would definitely be a huge step in the right direction, but he's so far chosen not to do that, so. But he might like burdock. He might. So, well, he hasn't, he hasn't tried that one yet, so okay, good. try that. You can also try cooking okay. with it. Mm, yeah, I do cook with it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we, he's not we, getting a no, whole Justine lot and I just did a 70, 72, 75 video course and she said, oh, look what I have. Here's the burdock root that we bought last winter, she said, and we never cooked it. And it just laid <laughs> here, and now it's dry, and we broke it up. And we got a jar that was filled about half full with a broken piece of root and poured vodka over it. And the next day, the whole jar was, like, jammed with that burdock root, so we had to take a little bit of it out. And we were just mm-hmm. stripping it out of there. It was so soft and so tasty. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, like soused to burdock. It was really good. Mm, interesting. Cool. Okay, so if we want to use the cortisone cream for now, um, like how long would you say would be a good trial run, and maybe how many times a day would would you recommend? I'm not a pharmacist. Right. (laughs) So I really have no idea. I just know that sometimes this is the kind of place where it can really help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what his pediatrician was saying so um yeah i will give him that option see if he wants to do that <laughs> okay good okay thank you thank you're you welcome much. green blessings okay. good night bye-bye all right if you have a question for susan make sure to press one we just have another caller in the 828 area code hi susan it's rebecca here we've talked a couple times I try to remember to slow down because that's our issue. I get so excited, I start to babble. Um, I have a couple questions for you tonight, and I'm glad I got in early so I can ask them all. Um, my first question is, I am coming off of a sexer. It's an anti. It's used for anti-anxiety or anti-depression. Um, and I'm an anxious kind of high-strung personality person anyway. I kind of wake up with a <laughs> feeling. So my doctor, my medical professional, put me on one route and then moved me to the effector. But if I was even like a couple of hours late, I would start getting these electrical 
pulses like through my body and I didn't like that my body really didn't like it so I spoke with my uh, my physician and she told me just to stop it cold turkey which I'm looking up and researching and I'm having really really negative withdrawal symptoms um the, the flashing almost flu-like symptoms um stomach issues and I'm kind of looking to see if there's anything that can maybe help me detox that through my system faster. Um, I'm drinking Melissa, well, lemon balm because it tends to kind of calm me down and, you know, I know it helps the nerves some. But is there anything that comes to mind that I might be able to take that might help push it through my system and get it out? Well, let me reply in a, first in a very general way. The scientific tradition says that when we take drugs, that those drugs have various half-lives in our body. And that's why we can do a urine test and get the residues of some drugs for some time after we take them. However, the vast majority of drugs are out of our body within hours. If they weren't, then we wouldn't have to take them again, would we? Correct. In fact, the very the very fact that you are having withdrawal symptoms means that there's not drug in your body. Okay. Let me, right? <laughs> let me re-ask the question then, because that's not the proper question to ask then. So is there is there no toxin in your body. There is nothing that's going to push it out. There's nothing that's going to detoxify that. It's already happening. What's happening now is that you did not use that drug from a position of power. Okay. You did not call me and say, I chose. Very carefully, after a lot of research, this particular drug, which I decided to experiment with, no, what you said is, my physician put me on it. Who? What? Well, actually, she gave me the prescription, but no, I did not research it. And no, after you didn't. It, you just went along right. with what Mommy Daddy God told you to do. Exactly. And so exactly. what Which I is why saying, I made the when we take drugs, if we start from a position of power, then when it's time for us to stop taking the drug, we are still in a position of power. But because you didn't start from a position of power, now that you are stopping, you are really in the hole and you are feeling that you are in the hole. Could you be a little more specific about what kind of withdrawal symptoms you're having? Are you having digestive upset, nervous system upset, insomnia? Um, what kinds of things are happening? At this point, it's uh, the, the digestive upset has stopped. The flu-like joint aching and itching and sweat have stopped. But I'm still having these electrical sensations in my face mainly. Um, and from what I've researched, it's the specific drug I was on worked on the neural processes, so it's very normal to have these electrical sensations. But I'm also having very he very severe headaches. Gold cap is not helping it. Um, St. Jones wort is not touching it. It's just it's a headache that's just there, and it's 
will not leave. And then vertigo. And what well. part of your head is the headache in? It is. It is mostly frontal. Uh huh. So it's said that headaches toward the back of the head have to do with the nervous system. Okay. So that would be hypericum. That headaches at the top of the head are more of the nervous system, so skullcap. And that headaches in the front, behind the eyes, behind the front of the skull, have more to do with the liver. And so something like dandelion, yellow dock, hickory, burdock, milk thistle seed would be things that we would think of. And those I have all of those in my arsenal apothecary at home. I'm Yay. on the road right now. Well, that that leads to my next question. I'm on the road right now, and I'm headed to D.C. And there's I've already researched. There's a great you know herbal supply store there in D.C. Um, and I will get dandelion and then probably the milk thistle as well since I'm familiar with those the most. Um, but there is my next question because I have to research and find a store to do my, you know, nourishing herbal infusions. Is there a way that I can kind of neatly carry my most common herbs with me, or is it, am I just, you know, a bowling bag and mason jars? <laughs> because I prefer to keep them in glass and seal them tightly. And Putting herbs in glass jars is the absolute worst way to store them. Oh, is it? Okay. What did you suggest? Putting an herb in a glass jar, first of all, exposes it to light. Correct. When it's in a brown bag, there's no light exposure. Okay. Light degrades the value of the herb faster than anything. Okay. Most herbs, the bag says store in a cool, dark place. When I was setting up herb departments in stores, I had them lay their herb jars on their sides. You could just see the lid. They wanted to put them so you could see the herbs. I said, that's a very expensive advertising. You have to throw your herb away every three months. Wow, okay. Now, if you get commercially dried herb, it's probably dry enough to withstand being put in a tightly sealed glass jar. But if you're drawing your own home herb, you are going to ruin it because it's not Currently dry enough, and the small commercial. bit of residual moisture is going to mold up. Okay. And so I do, not like, I do not like glass jars for any reason at all. I don't like them because they expose it to light. I don't like them because they encourage the growth of mold. And I don't like glass jars because... They stay the same no matter how much herb is in them. And I store a lot of herb. And I count on being able to roll that bag down and have more space when there's less herb. That makes perfect sense. Okay, I have a final question. If you're traveling, one way to do that is to weigh out. Ziploc bags of one ounce of herb for each day that you're going to be traveling. Okay. Then you can carry with you two quart jars. 
and a small strainer. One of the jars you'll make the infusion in. You'll open your one-ounce bag. You'll find a way to heat up that quart of water and pour it in that jar and put the lid on it. And the next day, you'll put the strainer in the other jar and pour the liquid into the second jar, right? Exactly. Which is why you need the second jar. And the strainer is the thing that you will never find in anyone's kitchen, so bring your own. I actually have a portable strainer. I mean, it, it automatically goes in my suitcase. All right, excellent. And I have traveled all over the world with dried herbs packed like that, and I've never been bothered. Awesome. Okay. And mostly travel Well, I drive everywhere. I decided God did not give me wings, so I'm not brave enough to fly yet. But, okay, I have one more question, and this is pertaining to my daughter. She's 11. Um, Last summer, she was diagnosed with severe constipation. They did did an ultrasound and an X-ray. And she was put on a commercial product, Miralize, on a very, very rigid protocol, which was wonderful. It cleared her bowel. She was good. Um, now we're here. I'm sorry. Google just talked to me. Um, now we're experiencing the same thing. And the first thing I checked was her diet. Um, we're Southern. We do eat a lot of fried things. But we also like to forage for our own nuts and berries, and we keep those on hand as snacks and you know that's we have a lot of fiber in our diet and nutrition wise she's not missing but and I honestly think she's very stressed right now because we've had a family dynamic change and I think she's stressing and storing that in her bowel and it's keeping her constipated if there's something that might help her just just yellow dot not a like okay I have that too okay Awesome. Good. Um, as a as a tincture, not a tincture. How, how tincture, yes, to... as a tincture. Okay. As a tincture. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, we may just do a yellow dog tincture for the both of us. Sounds awesome. Hey. And by the way, I just listened to your podcast um, where you were from several weeks ago where you were talking about being part of integrated medicine. I kind of refer to myself as a practitioner of harmonial medicine. Oh, beautiful. My... I want my body to be in harmony with everything. So I appreciate your guidance as always. You are my herbal Yoda, and have a wonderful night. Green blessings. Good night. Thanks. All right. We just have one caller with a question right now. If you have a question, make sure to press 1 to speak with Susan. The next caller is coming from the 412 area code. Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. Okay, so first, before I ask my question, I just want to say to the audience, I do not want to make anybody uncomfortable at all, but this is a genuine health question that I do want to speak with you about, and you are more than qualified. So I am about two and a half weeks late on my menstrual cycle, and I have been, I took vitamin C for six days, plus the remaining amount that I had the next day. I've been munching on goji berries the past couple days. I had a papaya earlier. I've been taking ginger and parsley shots. That's great. That baby is going to be so healthy. Well, (laughs) I'm not 
I'm not wanting That's to wonderful, a baby. healthy things to do for your baby. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, I'm not wanting to bring a baby into You made an appointment for abortion? What's that? Have you made an appointment for an abortion? No, I have not. I do not give information rather... to women on terminating a pregnancy until they've made an appointment for an abortion. Okay. If okay. you're serious, you will make an appointment, won't you? Well, I have been through a similar situation, actually, Are and I did not. Serious, end up you will make an appointment, and you will help preserve women's rights to have an abortion. Not just for yourself, but for your sisters who may not have the access to herbs that you do. You're making an an appointment, even if you don't keep that appointment, is a political act that every woman who is going to terminate a pregnancy, I believe, must do. In my state, it's a very, it's horrendous, though. They just do local anesthesia, and it's a horrible. I'm not suggesting that you do it. I'm suggesting you make an appointment. And that's helping support the other women in my area. That certainly is, because that says that there's demand. Not demand for local anesthesia, though. It's so, so I've read so much about it, and I've talked to women, and it's such a traumatic, horrendous experience. Never changed anything. Being a vegan never changed any animal's life. Opting out is not action. And not only that, unless you make an appointment for an abortion, you are not serious. I've been doing this work for 50 years, and I know when a woman is serious and when she's not. Okay. Make an appointment. Thank you. I really I appreciate all of your... All of your words of wisdom, will also say that at the point at which you are two weeks late is the worst time to do any of that. Why is that? Because that is the point at which that pregnancy is most really getting itself in there. Your hormones continue to cycle. When but when the when we can move in there and get change is the point at which your next period would occur. Because then so, then the hormones for pregnancy are going to be at their lowest. But you have made the most common mistake, which is to use things mid cycle. Which only makes your baby healthier. Wow. Oh, my God. Okay. And wow. so once I say to you, you're not serious about this. I want you to get serious about this. Okay. All right? All right. Do you have a copy have of a Wise Do you have a copy of Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year? No, I do not. No, there's um There is I a list my of herbs that are effective. They are, they are under a list called menagogues, and the ones that are effective has stars? Yes, I have I have um, a copy of it on my phone, of, like, the list. Well, you're not using things from that list. Okay. Because there's very few starred there, things on that list. 
He's using a menagogue, but a menagogue they're not going to work, and especially not at mid-cycle. And I will tell you that my friend Rena Neeson did a study at her Wild Rose Women's Health Clinic in Geneva uh, before there were at-home pregnancy tests, and women came in who were late, and they did a pregnancy test. They didn't reveal the results, and then they gave the women their choice of a menagogue formulas. No woman who was pregnant started to bleed from using any amenagog herb. Wow. Okay. Women who weren't pregnant did start to bleed from using amenagog herbs like ginger. Okay. Ginger's not a abortifacient and never will be. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay, yeah. Thank you so much for all of that. That was a lot of stuff I didn't know. That's really, really helpful. And yeah, all of it. Thank you. I will. Make treatment really get serious. You'll find that your way will be clearer. Okay. All right. Green blessings. Okay. Thank you. Have a lovely evening. You too. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 903, and I'll just say again, please press 1 if you have a question for Susan. Hello? Hello. How are you Hello. Hi, Susan. It's good to to talk to you again. I've called in a few times, um, and I want to say that I've been reading the the Healing Wise book. I've read it three times now since... I've last talked to you, and I, I absolutely love it. I thought the childbearing year was wonderful. This one, just as wonderful. So um, oh, really enjoying it. Uh, my question this evening is regarding comfrey. Um, I'm doing all the herbal infusions um, except for comfrey, and I'm not sure why I'm not using it um, other than I am uncomfortable with the sources I get it from. They never say it's Uplandica. They always say it's Officiale. And so I'm concerned about taking it as an infusion, especially giving it to my four-year-old daughter. So I was hoping you might help me with that. So far as I know, there is no Symphytum Officinale for sale anywhere. It's mislabeled. If you want it to be labeled, Symphytum Atlantica, Mountain Rose does label it that. Mm-hmm. So you can get the right label from Mountain Rose, or you can get the wrong label from Frontier. I don't think it makes any difference. Okay. I've been using Frontier Comfrey Leaf, labeled Symphytum Officinale, do not use for, in, for human consumption internally, for at least 40 years. My only daughter, when pregnant with my only grandchild, with my blessing, drank two quarts of comfrey infusion every third or fourth day. From Frontier. Okay, from Frontier. Okay, because I have access to Frontier and Mountain Road. Primary comfrey that we use. If I rotate through five urns, that means in 30 days, I have six quarts of each one of those. They're 12 right. months in a year. Six times 12 is 72. So over the course of a year, I have 72 quarts of comfrey. Four into 80 
is 20. That's a little less than 20 gallons of comfrey a year. I've done that for 25 years. My latest blood work showed my liver was doing great. Excellent. Okay. You know, so some people got sick and died from eating romaine lettuce. <laughs> yeah. True. There aren't any guarantees in life. Right. But I can tell you that I know tens of thousands of people who are drinking comfrey infusion, comfrey leaf infusion, and find it very important for maintaining flexibility and strength in their joints, tendons, ligaments, and so on. Healing okay. bones, truly an amazing herb. It, I've used it for so many external things on on livestock, on people, and, and it is so amazing. And so I just, I, I guess I'm just, stuck on the label issue because, because I've been raised that way. Maybe that's what it is because I just, it, it, I see the power of it and I just am like, okay, why can't I just take this myself? <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to jump in and I have come free, of course, um, because a lot and I'm just going to make an infusion because I'm ready for my next, next one. I just did, did nettle. And so tonight I'm going to do a comfrey. Good for you. Enjoy. Super. Have a nice cup hot with some honey in it. That, that's what I'll do, and I'll drink to you. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Green blessings. Green blessings. Thanks. All right. Let's see. Nobody else has queued up with a question, but if you have a question for Susan, please press 1. I remember. And we will go. Remember back in Pennsylvania when my mother and my father and the eight children would gather herbs in the fall to get us through the winter, says Mrs. Pearl Kelly. We got catnip for the babies and pumpkin seeds for the kidneys, bone set for the chills, and ginseng for dyspepsia. We got whorehound for coughs and colds and pennyroyal to promote perspiration. Flaxseed was on hand to remove the dirt from our eyes and, of course, sassafras to thin out our blood. My father made his own salve, which was used on man and beast. There was beeswax and tallow, carbolic acid and buzz from the balm of Gilead tree. And then my sister got the quincy. Somebody made a poultice for her from a swallow's nest. It was her bow. He crawled up into the eaves of the old barn to get it. Oh, how much he must have loved her to risk his life. They've been married now for over 50 years. My mother, she put that swallow's nest in a pan and covered it with milk. And then she let it boil down until it was spreadable. Every now and then she would lift the lid and look in. What an odor! What a stench! What? It was thick enough. She spread it on a cloth and put it around my sister's neck. It smelled up that whole house, but it sure did work. One day I broke out in a rash. My father hitched up the horse and buggy and we started out for the doctors. But about halfway there we met that doctor. We talked for a few minutes and then we all went into the grocery store. They took me behind the counter. At that time, most dresses buttoned down the back. It was all right to open my dress, but when the doctor unbuttoned my panty waist, that was too much.
first experience of humiliation I sobbed my heart out. And then I heard him say, it's the itch, as if I didn't know it was itching. Picture the grocer and his wife waiting on customers with the doctor and me and my father and the itch behind the counter. Well, he got me some medicine from his satchel, and my father buttoned me up and took my hand and led me around to the front of the counter where he brought me five cents worth of pink candy. I took the medicine, and that evening I got a good rub down with buckwheat flour. Do not try this at home. Boiling a swallow's nest. <laughs> Going to the bark. Monica Jean and I were reading about bird's nests and what's in bird's nests. And swallows put a lot of spider webs in their nests. Hmm. And I would guess that that's what they were getting was spider web, which we know is healing to wounds. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. They really utilized everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, I'll go to this. It's just a little email, or it's actually a question off of Facebook, but um says, hello, I am curious if you know about allergic reactions to calendula, I've been taking it for inflammation, but I think I might be having a bad allergic reaction to it. I have this crazy rash behind my ears, and my immune system is going crazy. Well, this is not really totally a question um, and almost impossible to answer without the person being right there. Mm-hmm. As I've mentioned before... You know, dermatologists get big money because they get the unsolvable problems. What is going on on someone's skin can be extremely difficult to pin down. Then we have the further complication, again, which you've heard me talk about quite a few times, in that human beings like to believe that if one thing follows another, there's a cause and effect relationship between them. And it's not true most of the time. I always bring up that silly example of the woman who said, I drank a cup of oat straw tea and I had a heart attack. You should warn people. She wrote into Prevention magazine. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Prevention said, uh, we don't think oat straw tea caused your heart attack. All right. No, we don't either. So I don't know how much calendula tincture she's been taking. I don't know if she's taking an alcohol or grain alcohol. I don't know if it was made from dried flowers or fresh flowers. I don't know what kind of inflammation she's had that she was taking the calendula for. There's just so many things that I don't know that it's mm-hmm. hard for me to find what I do know, which is that well, in, in that- general, calendula is considered anti-inflammatory. It is a bright orange flower and that makes us then think, oh, well, it would be heating. Mm -hmm. But as we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, the easy way to find out if you're having a reaction to something is stop taking it. You're taking calendula, you think you might have a reaction to it, stop taking it. Does the reaction go away? Perhaps you were reacting to it. Does the reaction not go away? You certainly weren't. 
Sounds good. And we did have somebody queue up with a question. So would you like to go over to them? Yes. All right. Um, coming from the eight or the three five two area code. Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. This is Jay. Uh, I was just wondering, or let me ask you. I'm going through a perimenopause uh, period. I'm. I'm, I'm sorry. There is no such thing. You are in menopause. Okay. Okay. Um, that's good and good learning. Um, I have having been having the symptoms for the last four to five years first. Are you still there? Did we get cut off? I'm not hearing you. I thought maybe we were cut oh, off because oh. I couldn't hear anything. Okay. Uh, no, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. So for four or five years, you've been having symptoms. Yes. And for the first one or uh, first two, three, two to three years, it's it was it was occurring uh, once or twice a year. And most, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll tell you what it is in a, in a couple of seconds here. And most recently, it's been happening every cycle. I'm still bleeding. And uh, the symptoms are uh, severe heart palpitations uh, that can last for days recently. Before, it was, like I said, would last, you know, for a few minutes to a few hours. But now it just lasts for days. And the menopause uh, and, the and the heart palpitations also causes uh, throwing up. So I'm unable to retain food or water, um, and I have to really m make sure that I take sips of water all all day long, including keeping myself up in the nighttime to take it, because otherwise I get severely de dehydrated. And uh, so, water does I'm, not hydrate. Okay. Nourishing herbal infusion hydrates, because nourishing herbal okay. infusion contains minerals. Okay. Which is really what we mean when we say hydrate. We say hydrate as though it was just water. Yeah. But it's really that we're lacking minerals. It's really that our electrolytes are down. And okay. water further dilutes the electrolytes. I never think that water is the best thing to be using. Okay. As a matter of fact, for most people, stopping the habit of drinking water provides great health benefits. Hmm. Most okay. people drink far too much water. A quart of nourishing herbal infusion a day, for most people, is adequate fluid. Hmm. The more you drink, the more diluted your electrolytes will be. Okay. The idea that you need to drink two quarts of water a day was made up by a Coca-Cola company advertising executive. Right. And has somehow become like, what everybody believes? No. It's simply not so. Okay. I drink uh, usually a quart of nourishing herbal infusion, and then my sweetheart makes us a cup of Earl Grey tea with goat's milk and honey. So I drink about five cups of fluid a day. Hmm. In addition, I'm sure that I get at least a quart of fluid from the food that I eat. For dinner, I had cooked greens. There was certainly water in that. I had baked squash. There was water in that. I had cooked grain. There was water in that. Mm -hmm. I had a salad. That's very watery. So 
So I'm certainly sure. getting more than two quarts of water a day, but none of it in the form of water because that's a loss. Okay. In fact, you can see how dehydrated water makes you. The more you drink, the more you have to drink. Right. Okay. So chill with the water. Little or no water. Drink nourishing herbal infusion. Okay. So, I'm I'm sorry, were you going to say something? Yeah. I wanted to ask you, did you tell me what's happening? Yes. uh, I was... uh, I was starting to tell you uh, the heart palpitations that goes on for days. Heart palpitations, and and it sometimes can go on for days. Yes, ma'am. And uh, have you been using motherwort at all? uh, So I have motherwort and uh, the uh, the other herb. I'm sorry, I'm not uh, uh, up on this. The hot sea, not sea bacon, but uh, hot hot berry. Um, so I've got hawthorn, hawthorn, hawthorn berry, and motherwort. I do have those, but I have not been taking a lot of the them. I, you know, maybe here and there, but I'm not being particular with it. Hawthorn is a really superb heart tonic. It's in the rose family, so it's related to strawberries and apples and cherries and peaches and plums, mm-hmm. and it is an herb that is considered most effective if it's taken in fairly large quantity on a daily basis. Okay. So, I take one or two dropperfuls a day. My sweetheart, who has some cardiovascular problems, usually takes four to six dropperfuls a day. Would you recommend making tea with it? or? I like taking it as a tincture. It's very convenient for me. Some people make an infusion from it. Mm-hmm. using an would... ounce of the berries or an ounce of the leaf and flour and okay. then a quart of water and brewing that overnight. Okay. But motherwort is the plant that stops palpitations. Okay. Hawthorn is a heart tonic, so it strengthens the heart. Motherwort okay. stops palpitations usually within Five to thirty seconds. Okay. Motherwort tincture is almost exclusively used because the dried motherwort herb is very bitter. I find motherwort far more effective if the tincture is made from fresh plant material rather than dried plant material. Okay. Would you you know they like Rebecca or, or white feather? Um, people at Red Moon, they all make fresh plant tinctures, and especially with, with plants like motherwort and skullcap, it becomes critically important to have those fresh plant tinctures. And what I suggest for women who are dealing with palpitations is to keep that bottle of motherwort with you so that you have it to take whenever that happens. You don't have to wait you can take motherwort as a tonic. There's no problem with that at all. So it's just fine if you take it like daily to 
to see if that will prevent palpitations. But I think most importantly, you want to have it with you so that if you get palpitations, you can stop them. Okay. So that they don't go on and on. And another word is leonuris cardiaca. So the more you take it, the stronger your heart becomes, and the less likely, over the long run, you will be to have palpitations. Okay. That sounds great. Because <laughs> I've been having so much issues with it. Do you also... Uh, would you also recommend motherwort uh, tea or infusion with one ounce? Absolutely not. No. Oh, no? No. Motherwort tea tastes awful. You will never drink a second cup of motherwort tea. Uh, I'm usually able to tolerate bitter foods pretty good. So do you say absolutely not? I strongly prefer motherwort tincture. Strongly. Okay. Like on a scale of 100 to 1, motherwort tincture is 100 and motherwort tea is 1. For the strength? or Because I don't think motherwort tea is effective because the plant is dried. And I said that it loses its mint, it loses its effectiveness dried. Once it's dried, it's a shadow of its former self. It's like catnip. If you very carefully air dry catnip whole on the stalk, cats will go crazy over it. But if you get commercially dried catnip, they're not even interested. Hmm. So the commercially dried motherwort, it's like, eh, nothing. Hmm. You might get a placebo effect, but why not have a more pleasant placebo effect? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. No need to torture yourself. But no, I've gone through plenty very of effective, and it can be carried with you, whereas motherwort tea cannot be carried with you, can it? No, uh, it's just a uh, bottle of motherwort tincture in your pocket. Very easy, in your pocket, in your purse, in your headband. It goes where you go. Okay. So you have it with do you. Do you think I'll do that? And uh, do you think the throwing up is being caused by the heart palpitations, or is it uh, something else? I don't know. I okay. do know that as we move into and through menopause, that our energy changes and that large energy surges go through our seven primary chakras and that Mm -hmm. if they find, oh, difficulties or blockages there, that they will often in a way that's very powerful um, shove things aside. So they shove things aside in the the heart, and we get heart palpitations. And they shove things aside in the solar plexus, and we throw up. And they shove things aside in the throat, and we start screaming and crying. Hmm. That's interesting. The 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 interesting part is a lot of women have hot flashes and things like that, but this is mostly my my experience. Palpitations that is just crazy runs for days, and then the throwing up where I can't retain food, <laughs> and it really makes me weak, you know. And I'm scared to go through mm-hmm. it another. another so we have to, we have to we have to say goodbye in one second. But I do want to say that at that point where you're throwing up, slippery elm will be a very great help. Okay. We can talk more if you call in another week. Green blessings. Good. I will do that. Okay. Thank you. Chris Steins is a visionary founder of the Women of Wisdom Conference, having its 27th annual WOW event this weekend. Chris began her life purpose in 1990 when she declared her mission was to bring people together. 
1993, she read The Feminine Face of God, and that mission was revealed to her in a vision to create a conference to bring women leaders to Seattle, quickly evolved into creating a community for women. In 1998, five years later, she founded the Women of Wisdom Foundation and has followed her passion to empower women, to help women find their voices and to share their stories and gifts with each other and the world. Connected, She is connected with women leaders such as Jean Houston, Barbara Max Hubbard, Jean Shinoda Bolin, Marion Woodman, and Susan Weed. And Chris brings important messages to women around the world. Jean Houston gave her a tribute honoring Chris's work by saying, Chris has impacted thousands of women. And through the ripple effect, as each woman influences each other, many more women are making a difference. In 2003, Chris created a circle leadership model to direct women of wisdom foundation, modeling the principles of inclusivity and the importance of everyone's contribution. Chris is the author of the number one Amazon best-selling award-winning book, Women of Wisdom, Empowering the Dreams and Spirit of Women. Since 2010, Chris has hosted the radio show Voices of Women, now on Blog Talk Radio. She interviews women authors, sharing their gifts with her listeners. And I'm hoping that when my new book is, is done, maybe I'll get a chance to be on her show. Chris is a consultant and a trainer. She empowers women leaders through her business, Chrysalis Leadership. Chris co-created and leads the Women of Wisdom Circle Leadership Program and is certified in Legacy Leadership. She also completed Christina Baldwin's Advanced Circle Practicum. Chris's real passion is travel, and she's participated in building schools in Cambodia and Kenya. She's also organized and led trips for small groups in Myanmar and Kenya. Her future dream is to lead women's sacred journeys, to have circles with women in these countries. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you. I'm not seeing Chris's phone number that she gave us, but if you're here, Chris, can you please press 1? Um, otherwise, we'll give her a call. All right. We're going to call her number that she provided. Hello. Hello. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the show. We're so glad you could be with us tonight. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Is this um Susan Weed? This is Chris. I'm so glad to talk to you. Yeah, sorry, I know I think I was supposed to call in. I'm sorry. Um That's okay. We called you instead. We had so much to know here. Everything gets kind of, everything got kinda of caught wampus, so <laughs> It is so true here, too. We have been snowed in all day, and what a delight uh-huh. to have a snow day. It's great when when you can just, you know, conscience-free say, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't do it, it's snowing. <laughs> yeah, well, we're just in our melting stage now. So anyway, um, it's postponed our conference. We were to have our big Woman of Wisdom conference this weekend, and we have to reschedule for March because, um, Yeah. <laughs> That's what oh, happened. Well, I was saying how honored we were, and we are still honored to have you on on the eve yeah. of your conference because I know there is so much to do. Yeah. When yeah. you are, are putting so much together, I told the listeners that my experience at the Women of Wisdom Conference was like being in a big kaleidoscope. 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good expression. And that there are so many different women doing so many different things and coming together in so many wonderful combinations. How would you describe a, a Women of Wisdom conference? So it's a place for women to come connect, and once a year, we it's like a family reunion in a way. I mean, there's new people and old people, and and we just make connections, and it's time for ourselves. Like, you really take time for yourself. And wherever you're at in your journey, like a lot of people are in trend, no matter what age, we're always in some sort of transition. And so it's a time to reflect and talk with others and mostly, I think, share our stories with each other and be witnessed. And the witnessing, I understand more and more as the years pass how incredibly important that is. Yes, I think so, too. I think it's um, extremely important because a lot of, you know, I still, back in the, we've been, this is our 27th year. So back in the first maybe 10 years, there was very much an awareness of women being in isolation. And I've kind of been reflecting on it more recently and asking people, and there's still this feeling of women being isolated. And I think maybe because we're so busy out there with our lives, there's so much going on that we don't take that time for ourselves or connect, don't have time to connect with others. Um, and and so there's still a feeling of isolation amongst women. And so that's why gatherings like Women of Wisdom and gatherings that you also do are so important and that witnessing of feeling heard. Everybody wants to feel heard. Everybody doesn't just want to feel heard. Women especially need to be heard. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, no. we, we do. Yeah, <laughs> we we do need it. And um, and there's so many times that we in our brain, you know, when we were kids or many stages in our life where we haven't felt heard, and um and then we we just sort of clam up and go inside ourselves and don't share. And so, like, women of wisdom is a place you realize, and I think you experience this too in your gatherings, where oh, it opens a door. Like, I can share. I can feel safe to share. Sitting in Moon Lodge month after month, year after year, for 35 years, has just so opened my heart to the wisdom that is in every woman in every woman's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that safe place where a woman can be speak, can speak, be heard, not be interrupted. Talk to us a little bit about circles and what circles mean in leadership and in groups? Well, I, I think it's a, what you said is it's a place where everybody's voice counts. So in leadership, like we have a circle leadership format here where we have a council and everybody's voice matters. So it's inclusive and, and you, uh, you, we sit in circle and so everybody sees each other, and it allows for people to feel like their voice is important. And a lot of times, some people are very quiet. Some people are more loud and 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 share a lot. And sometimes, you know. And so we have we have uh, formatted some some guidelines that allows for the quiet space, allows for a person who is more quiet to speak up, and when somebody is because. You know, we, there's all, all kinds of people of personalities, and and a lot of times, you know, you sit in a in a circle, and and there's the people who talk a lot, and 
it tends to quiet other people down if you just stop and go, well, what do you think to somebody? And I tell you, the gems come out of people who are sitting there and maybe don't feel comfortable sharing, but when you open the door for them to share, there's some there's just some wisdom there, and it allows them to speak up. And we all have our, our different timelines of, I don't know if that's the word, or timeline of our, our timing of, how long it takes us to process our feelings and our thoughts on a subject that we're talking about. And so if you just ask that question, though, what, do you, what do you think for somebody who's been sitting there quiet that allows them to process? Because we process at different times. And some people are very quick to process and have their opinion right away, and others need more time. And so it's allowing that, that quiet voice to be heard and not always the um, talkative ones to always be heard and and you have to set something in in place of of, uh, procedures of what's acceptable in a circle like to allow that to allow all the voices to be heard in some ways it's just like well let's hear from other people let's go around the circle let's pass the stick around the circle let's pass the stone around the circle or or gemstone or whatever it is and hear from everybody and so that all the voices are heard and you really have to make uh, an intention to do that I find that absolutely true. If there isn't the intention to do that, then those louder, more comfortable voices will carry the day. Yes, that's true. And it's hard because it's natural for those who are quick on their feet like that to carry the day and to carry the conversation. And and uh, it's hard to others that are quiet to how, okay, how do we, how do I speak up in this, in this place? How do I get others to speak up? And it takes some practice and trust a lot of trust of being able to speak up and share what's going on with you in the moment takes a lot of building of trust. I was just uh, reading about healthcare guidelines and the MD who was writing about this is the problem with healthcare guidelines is that they're created by panels of experts who have compromised. And so they don't fit anybody. Oh, that's curious. And I find that sometimes happens when um, when the idea is to make a consensus decision, that the consensus winds up not to suit anybody at all. Oh. <laughs> well, I, and I think it depends on the group because we're kind of of like mind, and so we've, been, we've had it pretty easy to find consensus. But I do find that there's a real strong voice, opinion, it stops others from feeling safe to disagree with it. And and so we just kind of buckle in and go, okay, I guess that's the decision. <laughs> and and then you hear rumbles later, you know. So it's kind of like sometimes you have to go back and revisit and go, okay, is everybody okay with this? Is everybody, you know, are, are there some other? And really checking in with people to make sure that we're just not going with the flow of that strong voice. Because a woman's first right is to change her mind. <laughs> Yes, I, I just because we've had to change our date of our conference because of our snow. This has never happened. It, you know, we don't get that much snow in Seattle. We've had four days of snow, and we've had to we're able to reschedule. And uh, we had a volunteer meeting. Uh, when was it? Thursday night before the snow came, and we knew we were going to have to. We knew the snow was coming. We we're going to have to change. And I just sang out, "She changes everything she touches, and everything she touches <laughs> changes." You know, and you just have to allow Mother Earth and nature to do that. And I think women are great at at going with that flow and making those changes. And 
you know, who knows? It may be for the best. Indeed. Certainly it will will shake things up. 27 years is a long time. What's kept you going for all that time? <laughs> well, I think it's woman of wisdom. I, I look at woman of wisdom as her own entity. And no matter what the humans do, she keeps going. And um, <laughs> I decided, because I tried to retire a couple of years ago, and she's not letting me go. Although things have shifted, so it's easier. I feel like I'm semi-retired. But I I look at it like, oh, my goodness, I think I'd have to leave, move out of Seattle to to not be involved in it because she's so much a part of me. But also, it's she's she's just this entity. I mean, you know, most conferences don't last 27 years. They kind of have a life, maybe five, 10 years or whatever. And so it's, it's, it's unique and you have to shift and grow. We've, we've changed our format. We're, we're, we're making these shifts uh, for sustainability and, and, and people still want it. And so it's like, you know, okay, we're still holding it. And woman of wisdom is still holding it together. So it takes, and it takes a lot of um, perseverance and 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 um, just holding hold, holding it. I mean, I feel like what I do is just hold hold it together, hold it for for it to happen, to continue uh, at whatever form. And if it's meant to dissolve, it's time it's time to dissolve. Yes, when and I was mentioning. When I was mentoring with Jean Houston, that was something that she she really came back to again and again, how important it was for us to develop the skill of holding space. Yeah. Of being willing to be the invisible container in which things could happen. To be willing to be the eggshell that has to be broken and gotten out of the way for the birth, but nonetheless was important up until that point. Mhm. Yeah, and I think that's that's something innate in women to hold the container, um, and I th- and and to hold it for all of us. Yes. That we all hold a piece of it. It's not just me because I found I founded it and I've been carrying it. It's for all of us to hold that piece because it wouldn't continue if the people weren't coming. It's not really me that's <laughs> making people come continue to come They're, they are finding that a need that they have is satisfied there mm-hmm. and so they return and hopefully bring friends as well you, you, I think you said that you have uh, not just changed because of the snow but you have a new format yes we used to be nine days long remember you've been there Yes. Nine, uh, you were there nine days, but you, you know, people came and in and out. We were nine days, and then we kind of shifted to oh, six or seven days. We had a couple. You were part of that. I think we did a two-day intensive with some people, and then we would go Thursday to Monday over the holiday weekend. And just out of financial necessities and sustainability, that last year we shifted to a new model that we have two days. And they're very full. They're still our same format of three-hour in-depth workshops. So we start, um, and and we've been because we're doing two days. We've added community meals, and meals are a part of it. So there's this gathering, a much more of a community feeling. We have 
longer lunch times, and then we have activities together during the meal. So we have some interactive, you know, whether movement or singing or um, some sort of participation. And so that has shifted that in a much more community feeling, and and that's been exciting to witness. Yes, I can see what a big difference that would make to have that community interaction and especially the meals. Mm-hmm. And we've always had the community, but there were, people came in because we had a format that everybody, you could just go to one event. So it was it was based on a, anybody could afford to go. So you could go to an evening, you could go to one workshop, and some people on the average would go to three, four things during the week, and people would come and go, and yet there was this continuity and still a feeling the community. And now it's like you buy a one-day ticket, or you can buy a two-day and be there the whole weekend, but you buy a ticket for the day and it includes your meals and the community time together and your two workshops. And you're there for the day. So that is very different. And yet it still has that deep, in-depth, you know, of experience that we've always had when we did the nine days. Which, you know, and we just can't go back to that format. There's nobody to work it like that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I can't anymore. This is Susan Weed talking with Chris Steins, the founder of Women of Wisdom Conference. If women want to get in touch with you, why don't you give them some information about connecting with, uh, is it womenofwisdom.org? Yes, it's womenofwisdom.org. And our email is wow, W-O-W, at womenofwisdom.org. And so they can email there, and they can go online and see what we're doing. And we'll be posting soon. I'm hoping tomorrow we post our new dates. And I'm, I'm, I'm really putting it out there, I'm hoping the college – is available the first weekend of March because that's when most of our presenters are available. It's really hard to switch, you know, it's one really week hard before to switch. conference. <laughs> and yet here's this opportunity rather than just canceling, which would be the death of us, you know, that's, that is, can be disastrous for an organization. We're able to reschedule. And, and actually what was happening because this threat of snow, people weren't, weren't registering because nobody knew what was going to happen. And right. Yeah, it was hard. So yeah. now it kind of opens the door for okay, we're going to start all over. We're going to, you know, and the form, the the events aren't changing. They're they're shifting a little bit because you know a, a couple of people not being able to come. There's a few shifts. Most of it's there intact, which is great as long as we can get that first weekend in March. So I'm really putting it out there because I don't know from the college because they've been closed because of the snow. I mean, people may laugh. Of course, people laugh about Seattle. <laughs> ah. but, you know, when we get snow, we have hills, and we've had I have we you know I haven't had a foot of snow in my yard. I mean, I remember a foot of snow when I was a kid. <laughs> so, so um, we're not used to, we're not used to this. You just can't drive in these streets. And, and I, I um, was yeah, there so once. Something. I was there once when it snowed and only a couple of inches, and the traffic came to a total standstill. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're talking a foot. So, <laughs> anyway, it's been kind of fun and different, but it doesn't usually happen and interrupt our conference. Right. <laughs> we. You know, and this is we've had to go with the flow of this, and I and I I think well, it'll be fine. It'll be whenever it's it okay. does happen. Yeah, we'll we'll we also we'll have it. something called chrysalis leadership. That's at k r y s a l i s leadership dot com. Would you talk a right. little bit about that? Well, that's bringing the the circle leadership model to organizations or people and and coaching in that vein. And also, I have the book Woman of Wisdom, 
which is a compilation of uh, many things from the WOW conference. And so I had a publishing company and I've, I've done workshops and things. So it's kind of my personal website of different things I do and people can, can connect with me there. Um, I'm Like I said, I'm kind of on semi-retirement and I'm looking into what I'm going to do next. I'm really into travel now. My husband retired and, and we've been working with some schools uh, with our, we go to a Center for Spiritual Living Church in Seattle, Amazing Grace. It's a small church and we've been building a school in Cambodia and I took a group to Kenya and I'm actually contemplating taking small groups of women on spiritual, um, sacred women's retreat travel, sacred women travel, like, because I have connections with people now in Cambodia and Kenya and us sitting in circle with women from these countries and really connecting one-on-one with, with women in different parts of the world. And so I am looking into developing that. So that's me keeping evolving. Yes. How exciting to have that vision of taking this model to other places and doing that and then to to broaden it by including other people and taking them to to show them what can be done. I, I find that many women who tell me that they're depressed or anxious simply haven't been exposed to what it is that, that they can do. The mm. things, things seem kind of hopeless to them. And the kind mm-hmm. of thing that you offer, you don't have to say, look, this is what one woman with help can do. They get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think we have to go outside of ourselves. Like getting out of this country and going to other places and meeting other women and seeing stories of witnessing stories of hope and witnessing changes and talking to other women and getting out of your home, getting out of your 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 life um woes or whatever um then that's again is that feeling of isolation and feeling like it's you know everything's happening to me and I don't like my life I'm not happy it's like go out and volunteer somewhere do something get out of your house be with other women talk to other people connect make connections I think it's so important it certainly is wow you also do a blog talk radio show and where I do how can people connect with that um, well, it's called Voices of Women. So if you go to Blog Talk, Voices of Women, Chris Stanis, I have been interviewing all the women who some presenters, so there's quite a few shows up there now. And then I, I had been with um, Transformation Talk Radio for many years. I've had this Voices of Women show for seven years. And there's archives and all my past shows on, on the Transformation transformationradio.fm. And and so I've had many years of doing interviews, and I, I once this conference is over, I'll probably pick up again. And on Blog Talk, I can I'm, I'm enjoying a Blog Talk because there's a freedom I can do at any time of interviewing women authors. What I've done is interview women authors, uh, and particularly spiritual authors or self help or um, all those, and um, so many amazing women out there that are writing books and changing lives and I love to interview oh them. right so right you weren't on the line when I said and I hope when my new book is done I can get Chris to interview me <laughs> <laughs> yeah are you coming out with a new book I am coming out with a new book yes indeed it will be out this October okay. and I am almost done writing it okay well yeah so we'll, we'll have to stay connected 
once yeah. you get your conference reestablished in its new place, hopefully the first weekend of March. Well, we are, believe it or not, actually coming to the end of the show. It has been such a delight, as it always is, talking to you, Kristen. Catch you yeah, up. it's good to hear your voice. It really, really is. Your work is just so, um, you know, it's so critical to all of us and to all women. Why are the voices of women so important right now? Oh, we have to speak up. I mean, look what's happening in the world, and we just can't sit quiet and let things happen. We need to be a part of it. And you're seeing this whole movement of women, you know, more women in legislature now, uh, the Me Too movement. Women are stepping up, and and so it's a guideline for all of us to do that. And with the support of women of wisdom, with the support of conferences and gatherings, with the support of women like you um, acting as a model and saying this is what we can do when we believe in ourselves and believe in each other, more and more women are indeed getting the idea. I always ask my guest at the end of the show to summarize to to give our listeners something that they can think about when we've all said goodbye and they're perhaps going off to bed or something else what do we want to leave what would you like to leave in their hearts and their minds oh thank you for asking i would like them to really think about what their gifts are that we all have a gift and to realize what their gifts are for the world and it can just and it, it doesn't have to be big things it's just like what is the one thing that you feel passionate about that you want to share with your friends or your family or whoever but just explore and find those gifts and it might a clue might be what did you love to do when you were a child find or, your gift and having right. found your gift be brave enough to share it i think you're saying Yes, share share your gift. Share. And, and, and I, think, I was going to say, too, I think also it can be selfish to not share your gift, to not share your story, because our stories are for, the, uh, for other people to hear. And when we hear each other's stories, we are empowered and we are given permission and Let's bring it back to that word that we found so important at the beginning. We are witnessed. We are mm-hmm. seen. We are witnessed. And our sisters say, yes, I have heard you. Yes, I have witnessed your commitment. Thank you so much for all that you do in helping the reweaving of the healing cloak of the ancients. Not only do you provide a vast and strong loom for that reweaving to take place on, you travel around and ferret out interesting, shiny, fascinating threads to bring to the loom. I honor you and thank you so much, Chris. Well, thank you for having me on the show, and I honor you too for all your work. And Justine, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that you are stuck in the airport in the snow, 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 trying to get back to the tropics. We love you. Um, May your journey proceed with a little more ease. And hey, Rebecca, 
Love to you too tonight. Thanks for all that you do do. Um, keep promoting herbal medicine as people's medicine. So appreciated, and I appreciate you. And I'll be talking to you Monday. Yes. Monday. Yes. Talk to you Monday. Talk to you Monday then. Green blessings, everybody. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. Good night.